Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Headstrong. If this is your first time tuning in, you're listening with me, Louis Strong, the host of this show. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down and talk to a variety of people in the public eye to get them to talk about their lives, their careers, but importantly and most notably, their vulnerabilities. I do this because I want to get the listener, you the listener, to understand what it means to be headstrong. And to me, it means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Now, this third series of Headstrong is all about creatives. And that's why I've coined the series Creatives in Conversation. In this episode, I sat down with actor Wade Williams. Wade is a great friend of mine. I've known him for six or seven years now from when I first ever visited California. I sat down with Wade to talk to him about his time on Prison Break, which was a massive five-year stint, giving up a lot of his life to play the role Brad Bellick. I also wanted to talk to Wade about his YouTube channel and how music has fitted into his life. I hope you enjoy this episode. Wade, thank you very, very much for joining me on Headstrong. I don't know if you know anything about Headstrong. You have listened to a few bits and bobs before, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I love it. It's great. You're really <laughs> cool. Uh, Louis, you're the best, brother. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. You're kicking ass. Uh, well, well, let's come on to the bromance later on. Um, yeah. wait, Why not where start are you right it now? now? Shit, man. We're going to be going for hours. Yeah, I know. Th- th- this is my concern. The the fridge. This is my concern. So where are you right now, Wade? Uh, nice backdrop, by the way. Looking I'm in lovely. Joshua Tree, California. I got up really early this morning, Lewis, Louie. See, we say it mm. Lewis here, like Lewis yeah. Armstrong. But you guys, why do you say it in the French way? I thought you hated the French. Uh. 
Anyway, I love <laughs> no the comments. French, but they do say it Louie. Anyway, uh, yes, Louie Louie. I'm in Joshua Tree, California. I got up really early this morning, Louie, because uh, of the comet. What is it called? Nick. What's the comet name? Do you remember that, what it's called? Anyway, I can see it here in no. the morning and in the evening. So I try to take pictures of it. But uh, I got pictures of the moon instead. Nice. I'll try again tomorrow. So I, I don't want to talk about politics a great deal in our discussion, although I have no doubt that we could probably talk about politics for the whole, whole episode. But um, you have coined a new term in this pandemic do you mind sharing what that term is well hilarious yes i guess i have it's not a new term but i'm using it the word pandemic as a noun as a type of action right as in to pandemic right the lifestyle of living in a pandemic like um how are you pandemicking louis (laughs) i'm pandemicking okay we're out and about here now oh good well you know we have to have lifestyle changes right you know because we you know can't have anybody around us, right? Look at me. I'm here all by myself, right? Uh, so, and you also have to have, a, you know, aseptic technique. You have to make sure that you don't bring anything back home with you. You know, wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I believe there's kind of a moral responsibility for everybody um, to not give it to anybody else. And the only way you don't give it to anybody else is you don't get it. So you got to stay yeah. home. And you got to do stuff like this with your pal in England, Louie, Louie Louie, on his podcast. <laughs> way cool. Um, what an honor, by the way. Uh, First time I'm d- doing it. We're filming this properly. I'm ex- very excited about this. Well, it's going to be fun. Well, who knows how it's going to turn out, but it's fun. Why not, right? Also, um, you know, the one thing I've really enjoyed about this pandemic, I know it's all out there. That's the weird thing about being in Joshua Tree or in a place like kind of rural like this is if I don't listen to the television, it's not like there's a pandemic at all. You know what I mean? So yeah. Totally. Uh, anyway, but I've been connecting with my old friends like you, um, you know, talking to folks uh, more frequently than I ever have. You know, old friends from all over the country and the world like you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know, um, I think my gratitude list for this pandemic and my art of pandemicking as a you know a verb instead of a noun. Um, I'm getting better at it, you know, and I'm I'm connecting with people. I mean, I'm grateful everything's slowed down, right? You know, you don't just you get on the phone and, and tell somebody, you know, ah, I need this, and then it's over, and, you know, Amazon delivers it in 24 minutes. No, it's, you know, so it's I, really nice, you know. Uh, chilling out, the pace is slowed. Um, that That's the art of the pandemic, see, the pandemic as a verb as opposed <laughs> to a noun. And we all have to find our way through, I think. Um, Definitely. I mean, I feel like you're you're very lucky as well with the the space that you have uh, that's readily available to you. But I know that I am. That's why I'm sharing it with everybody, because some people are stuck in their apartment in some mega city. Right. You know, Tokyo, Mm. freaking Shanghai, New York, London, Paris, um, uh, Mumbai, uh, you know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm grateful for this. In terms uh, of. Just in this pandemic, though, whilst you've been pandemicking, yes. what has kept you? What has kept you busy? I know that you're a, a massive music man. Oh well, I'll show you. I didn't mean to do this. See this thing here? Can you see it? Love it. Yes. All right. This is a a Magini fiddle. Magini yeah. was one of the great fiddle makers. 
uh, along with Stradivarius and Amati and uh, Guarnerius uh, Deliezu. Anyway, this is a Magini that I got in a little town called Boonesville. Where was it? Boonesville, Missouri at a flea market for 187 bucks. It was all cracked Ooh. up. It didn't work. And, uh, you know, I glued it all together. I, I put a new, I made the new bridge. I, I sanded down the ebony fretboard. There was a few cracks in it. I fixed it. It's got a beautiful one-piece maple back. Uh, nice <laughs> spruce top. Now, this Magini, I believe, was sold by Sears and Roebuck back in 1906 or something. So it's over 100 years old, but it was sold for like six bucks, right? So yeah. um, now it's worth about $187, maybe 188 now that I've fixed it. But it plays pretty good. You want me to play a tune for you? Well, I was just about to say, I mean, you've been writing music throughout lockdown, but have you, do you want to give us a bit of a tune? You want to hear something I wrote? Yeah, go for it. Oh, hold on. Wait, I'll get my guitar. So here's something yeah, I made but- up yesterday. Two days ago, I let my chipmunk go. I found a baby chipmunk and raised him up. His name was Chip. Is Chip. He's right out there. Still uh, got him. I let him go. So here's what I made up. God, Joshua Tree, thanks for helping me. Oh, stars shine above, thanks for giving us love. Oh, great lights shining bright. Love it. Absolutely love it. Remember to rejoice, everybody, and count your blessings. Gratitude, Louis. Gratitude. Gratitude. If you make a gratitude it has been a word list, that you've man, been it sharing. is so long. You know what, though? But the bullshit that we're not happy with, it's not very long, but it can drive us freaking crazy, brother. I know, I know. Gratitude. Totally. Attitude of gratitude. So are you going to be releasing that as a single on your YouTube channel anytime soon? No, no. Well, I kind of did. I did a chip. A chip release video. That's I just made it up right then. I sang him a song as he was trying to get out of his cage. He was very scared oh. to be set free, old chip. Yeah, but who isn't? You know, when the door is open, do you walk through it? Know what oh, I'm that's talking a que- about? Question for the ages, huh? Uh, that's a question for the ages, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so on your on your on your YouTube channel, Wade, you've got a song called "Walk with the Moon," and you wrote that for your daughter Isabella. Can you just like? Um, Explain that. Explain that song in greater detail to me, because I've I've read your lyrics and I've heard the song and I think it's awesome. Oh, thanks, I just was man. curious. I was curious um, behind the meaning of the song and and what the the metaphor of it is. There's no meaning or metaphor. It's just you know when you're a little kid, right? I think I wrote it for Isabella. She was about. She likes to be called Riley now because, uh, well, that's her business. But that she's Riley now. <laughs> uh, she uh, was about two or three years old. And I was shooting uh, some cheesy TNT or one of those off-network shows up in uh, True Calling. That's what I was shooting up in mm-hmm. uh, Vancouver, 
Washington, no, Vancouver, Canada, you know, where uh, beautiful up there, rainforest and mountains. Anyway, I was watching the moon. It was beautiful there. And um, I was always taking Isabella for walks at night, showing her the stars and stuff. You know how you do with your kids. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, she's only like three years old. What does she think? You know, the moon, everywhere she goes, it goes with her, right? You know how it is? You know, it, it, it follows you around in a strange way, right? Mm, so mm. that's why I wrote that song. I love to walk with the moon. The moon loves to walk with me. You know, uh, uh, I, really, I really love the song. So I think that's really very, all it is. You've got some serious, serious music skills. I, I love it. I oh, really love well, it. Well, I was, you know, I love music. It's a part of my life, man. Uh, yeah, to- totally. And I mean, f- on looking through your YouTube channel, you do write a few other songs and kind of um, devote them to other people. And I know that you've devoted a song to your pops as well on that. And do you feel like a, a special connection with your music and to connect it with you and other people? Is it a way for you to communicate your thoughts and emotions? Yeah, you know, um, that's a good question, Louis. Um, <laughs> well, that's lucky. Somehow, you know, my first love in the, in the like, I don't know if, I don't even think of this freaking acting as a business, because um, I don't really give a shit about money, brother. Um, I just do it because I love it. Uh, but musical theater was my first love, and there's something yeah. about how language, language is music, you know, the way people speak. Uh, the way people turn a phrase, right? You, in, in England, they call them wits, right? You know, uh, mm. Oscar Wilde and freaking uh, God, there's a whole list of them. Bernard Shaw, William Shakespeare. Um, it's lyrical. It's lyrics. It's a song of life, right? So I really, and I'm also kind of a weird dyslexic guy. I, I, have, I have strange uh, brain connections. Um, but I think everybody does in a way, strangely. Uh, when, I, when you get words lift it up or take it into the realm of music i think it connects with your brain some different way um like it's easier for me to remember lyrics to a song than it is to like remember like a speech you know uh mm. you know mad world mad kings mad composition you know it's easier for me to mad world mad kings mad composition you know what i mean um totally it's easier f- Somehow that hooks my soul into it. I don't know. Uh, but I love to sing. When I was a little boy, we didn't have a radio in our car, Louie. <laughs> uh, my dad was so damn cheap, he didn't even get an AM radio. So we would sing songs. I have uh, two sisters and a brother, and we'd sing songs on road trips. I mean, I, I, we, would, we could sing for like an hour and a half straight without singing the same song twice. And uh, so I was always singing. My dad was a good singer. Um, and uh, I don't know. We sing to our babies, don't we? You yeah, know what I mean? totally. That's love. Anyway, that's so, the way I think. So you would say your your love and passion for music then probably stemmed from from being a kid, absolutely right from the get go when you were young. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I yeah, I guess. And I started to play instruments when I was about ooh maybe. Eight or nine, the first thing I played was a, a bugle, just a regular army regulation bugle. And then I learned how to play the harmonic. I, f- I found one in some friend's house that had the back off. I don't know if I'd show you, but they had the silver sides and the one side was off so you could see the reeds. So I learned to play it upside down. I didn't know this at the time, 
because if I turn it the right way, my lip would stop the read. So I, I play the harmonica upside down with the low side on the right and the high side on the left. Um, I just play by ear. I have a very difficult time reading anything, words or music, yeah. math. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just love it. I think everybody does. I think the problem with me as well, when I was a, a child, I probably got pushed into music um, too young, and I think I got bored of it. And it's one of those things I wish I'd persevered with, and you know, I think it's such a skill. It's like languages. I would wish I could be fluent in many languages, and I wish I'd stuck with the piano, the guitar, you know, for my whole life, because I think it's such an, an amazing skill to have. Well, start again. I mean, there's I know, a lot of I don't worry. I'm, I didn't back. Start I'm, back. I'm just looking. I'm looking. I've, I bought a piano t- a couple of years ago. I got that. Um, you did? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I I love it. I think playing a musical instrument is very very therapeutic for one's mind, um, particularly with the like kind of the mental health um, thought process. I think it's massively important. Um, well, it's like take, a meditation taking... to me, man. It's just you know exactly. You know, Wade. Whilst you've got that guitar there, I know that we talked about this um, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have an idea. What's that? I, did, I said to you, uh, do you think that you might be able to come up with 10 or 20 seconds and introduce the podcast with some music? Do you think you have it in you? Well, give me a, give me a genre. Music genre. Um... Oh, I don't know. You're the, you're, you're the musical expert, Wait. I don't okay, know. Just what do think, you want? Upbeat, up-tempo, you've, you've listened, low, slow... Well, you've listened to the podcast. You, you, you've, you kind of know what the topics are about and who the people come on and they talk about their vulnerabilities and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what you come up with. I think it's probably somewhere in between um, high tempo and slow tempo, you know? All right. Let me think of something here. All right. No pressure, obviously. Well, we won't do it in a minor key. It'll be sad. <laughs> Louis got a podcast. Gonna make you cry. Listen to <laughs> Louie, and you'll know the reason why. So, yeah, we don't want that. So, how about no. like a nice, uh, bright key? Like, oh, I like that. I like that. No, that's not good. Let's see. How about? Ooh, no, I like do- that way. That was amazing. Huh? Oh, here we go. Oh, I, I, I can do you too. I can start it off quick and then. Li- so, okay, let's see. How long? 20 seconds? 20 seconds, and then maybe chuck some lyrics in there. Right, let's no. see what you've got. Nothing too somber. You're going to learn something special. Oh, now I don't want to go there. Here it is. You want to learn something special. Better listen to Louis Strong. Podcasts on every day. It's going strong. So tune in today and give your soul some beats. It's Louis Podcast. Let you swing in the breeze. I don't know. What do you think? I love it. I love it. That's my, uh, 
absolutely epic. No one's ever serenaded me over Zoom before, particularly about my own podcast. So I'm absolutely flattered. You're lucky. <laughs> You're lucky that nobody else has serenaded you on Zoom. <laughs> I am one of the lucky few. I've been serenaded by Wade Williams himself. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Wade, I mean, so we were just talking about that, about your music and, and how much it's kind of, it was a part, it's a part of your life, isn't it? And that that's from your, from where you were born in Oklahoma, right? Oh, uh, I was you born started... in Atlanta, Georgia. Anything you read about me the, on the internet is probably wrong, just so you know. Um, <laughs> don't worry, so I don't believe I any well of enough. it. Atlanta, uh, Georgia. You heard it. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1961. Yeah, and uh, I grew up there. Um, actually, my dad was in the Navy. He was an officer in the Navy on submarines, wow. and uh, he ended up becoming a conscientious objector in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a submarine. He told him, "I can't do it. I can't kill people because they were dropping off like uh, Navy SEALs on the coast of Vietnam to go, you know, kill people." And my sure. dad was like, "I can't do it, man." So the Captain said, okay, so they let him off in Japan, and he got an honorable discharge, and then he be- decided to become a preacher. Anyway, wow. he was an Episcopal priest, and that's where I grew up in Atlanta. He was at a church in Atlanta called St. Luke's, and I grew up watching my dad in this huge, beautiful church with one of the best organs around, uh, singing. He had the great voice. He'd lead the whole congregation, had a, a big, beautiful kind of... Uh, baritone voice, lyric baritone, I would call it. And uh, he would sing, and I just loved listening to him sing. And I was an altar boy, right? I would go down the aisle with a little cross or the candle um, in a big dress like they all do. Of Weird. course. Anyway, uh, but he was, we lived there, and then he got a job. He got a Ph.D. in philosophy from Emory, and he got a job at Oral Roberts University. I don't know if you know about Oral Roberts. He was a televangelist back in the 50s. 60s, 70s, 80s. He had this thing called the prayer tower, right? You pay 20 bucks, and he'd pray for you. And all the old old men and women did all the time. Made a lot of money. 20 bucks a prayer. Anyway, I'm thinking wow. about actually starting my own religion. Uh, oh, here we it, go. This is, this is a great exclusive. Call, calling it Wade's, I don't know, Wade's... Uh, um, harmonica you know TV- Waves... Sistine Chapel in Hollapalooza Oyster Shack, and I will baptize you for $20. And you get two beers, one to baptize yourself with, and the other one to drink. I think that's a pretty good deal. What do you think? So where, where do I sign? Send me 20 bucks. Come on down. I, I just got <laughs> Miller Lights, though, so none of that. Will you? None of that, no, you know, Smithix or freaking, uh, you know, one of those. Uh, no cider. Anyway, just Miller Lite. Will you pay for my airfare then? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm not sure what my girlfriend would have to say if I was suddenly flying out to LA. So Wade, we have talked about your musical influences and so that probably transitioned into some of your early life in acting, right? So as you said, some of your early roles were in musicals. All, um, all of them. Most of them. All of them? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Got a coffee ground in my mouth. And yeah, I, you, I studied um, to be an opera singer for eight years. I, I did a lot wow. of opera. I did musical theater. I was a lyric baritone like my dad, maybe like a more of a dramatic baritone at times. But um, I did, gosh, uh, all kinds of classical music, Mozart, 
uh, shoot, uh, corn gold, uh, well, geez, uh, Verdi, uh, I mean, you just name all the opera composers, Gounod, uh, uh, Bizet, uh, everybody. So, because I, 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 I was of the opinion, I really wanted to, I loved musical theater, like American musical theater, or like Les Miserables, mm. that's, that's, French, but you know it's still Broadway. Guys and Dolls. Uh, love I it. love all the old Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. You know, sure, you know, like sure. uh, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high, right? Um, I love that. That's the best. You know, uh, stuff like that. Um, I mean, just that first freaking two uh, measures. Uh, Brings the hair on the back of your neck. Um, so I just, for some reason, music and singing, uh, for me, too, was kind of a healing thing. Um, I had a really tough childhood. And uh, I think singing uh, reconnected me to my body. Because uh, you have to breathe. You have to, you can feel it resonate in you everywhere. Um it was a healing thing. It still is. Um, it's like a meditation. Um, and my first voice teacher was a lady named Jane Carmichael at the University of Tulsa. And mm-hmm. uh, if I hadn't met her, I don't know what had happened to me. Really? Yeah. So she was a real bit of a coach for you, a, well, a life coach, a not just music. person. Showed me there was a good way to go, a nice way. Yeah. Amazing. So some of those early roles, obviously, there, there we said they were they were musical. But am I correct in saying that you've maybe treaded the boards uh, on stage with the likes of Morgan Freeman? Yes. Denzel Washington? Yeah. What, yeah were the, what were these experiences like? I mean, what shows were they? Well, I did um, Taming of the Shrew in Central Park mm-hmm. at the Delacorte Theater with Morgan Freeman, uh, Tracy Ullman, uh, Helen Hunt, and a bunch of other famous people too um it was great i i I mean uh, that's how i learned how to act was watching those guys um i saw from the and denzel i did uh richard the third and uh with tim blake nelson we were the first and second murderers it was great we got to kill clarence uh uh, who else was in that mary alice uh a lot of great people you know i just watched those people and uh, the actors the the pros and I just saw that they were just full of ideas. Uh, like we were talking about before, yes and, right? The improv role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they tried everything. And all the director was had, had to do was go, that one. Oh, yeah, that one. There was never a no. No, there was no speeches about, you know, um, you know this character. I believe that, uh, you know, the internal struggle, bullshit, just play. You know, they're called plays. They're not called like grind your ass into the ground and beat yourself over a hammer because you got to punish yourself for your art. No, they're called plays. Even Shakespeare says all the world's a play and all of us are players. Uh, play. They're, that's why people love to watch kids and dogs. Mm. That's why they steal the show because they really play. And you can't help watching somebody really play. It's so much fun. You're like, I want to get up there and do that too. So play um, uh, this whole bullshit idea about how you got to like tie yourself into a freaking 
pretzel and then chop yourself up and fry yourself on a grill until you're smoke just to do a part. Play. Just play. Have a good time. Even if you're, you know, that's my philosophy. Um, it's, re- it's a release. That's where the catharsis comes. When you see somebody uh, playing, um, playing a role. See, even we've forgotten about that, haven't we, Lewis? Anyway, you don't have to believe that, but I do. I, I, I seriously like that mentality and thought process when it comes to stage work, particularly when you say actually learning from, from the pros and the best. It is so important to actually just watch people and, and pick up on you know, their best skills and traits. It is the best place to learn is on, on the job and, and working with, with people who you probably consider better than you, like 100%. I will always think that there, there are people better than me and I can watch and learn and take away from that. Well, also, too, when you're, when you're working across one of those great actors, uh, you know, when you're looking in their eyes doing a scene with them, they're there with you 100%. I don't know how many times I've been on the stage with actors and they're acting, right? They don't even know you're there. They're just doing whatever they're going to do. It doesn't give a shit what you're doing. They don't care about what you're doing. They're just like doing their own freaking thing. They're giving their performance, right? No, they're not playing. That's like trying to play with a kid who doesn't want to like their Barbie doll, their G.I. Joe, won't talk to the other, you know. So they're not even there. They're just, I don't know, pontificating. But when you play, like those guys taught me how to do, they were there 100% with me. Their attention was on the other actors, you know, really playing, playing, you know, like a kid does, you know. Hey, look, Mm. there's a vulture over there, and it's eating a cow. (laughs) Let's go steal the tenderloin from it, that cow. We'll fry it up on the grill. What do you think? Actually, I do remember when I came to LA a few years ago and I came over to your, your, your place and you cooked me a steak and it was like 10 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens? Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Wade, I just want to, I want to ask you, uh, did you use acting as maybe then a form of escape? Because you've talked about how you had like, a tough childhood and I know that you spent a lot of time touring once you got into the, into the industry. Were you happy to spend time away from home and just be working and doing the job that you love and just enjoying, enjoying working? Was it, was it a, a, a good form of escape for you or was it just uh, you know, putting bread and butter on the table? Well, both. I mean, some, you know, the, when I went on the road, I, I did a couple of shows in New York, three or four shows in New York. Uh, but I went to college and graduate school. I paid my paid for it myself, so I owed uh, like I don't know the equivalent of a hundred thousand dollars as an actor, right? Anyway, so I went on the road in order to pay my student loans back. Because when you're on the road with musical theater, uh, I did a Kiss of the Spider Woman with Cheetah Rivera on the road for eighteen months. Then I did a a show in Denmark with this cool uh, company there called Hotel Proforma with a lady named Kirsten Delmholm. That was fantastic. I was in Malmo and uh, Copenhagen, and uh, I think we were even in Aarhus. I can't remember. Oh, we went to uh, uh, Rouen in France, did it there too. Um, So I had a lot of adventures all over the world. Uh, But when you're on the road, you don't have to pay your rent, right? So you can Mm. dump a lot of times you get per diem. So uh, you, got, you can pay your 
you know, your room and board or they put you up and you just save your paycheck. And what I did was pay my loans back. I was probably on the road, I don't know, five years, six years wow. I went from like 94 to 98 when I got to L.A. with a show called Ragtime that was uh, by uh, Terrence McNally and uh, a nice composer. He just died of COVID virus, Terrence McNally. That's sad. I did two shows of hits. Anyway, oh, what a great dude. guy. Um, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. I've had four friends die so far. Um, anyway. Uh, well, stay yeah, strong. Got, keep, play, keep playing your music. Stay positive And, you know, whilst it's I, tragic I to lose. I songs every day. Exactly. Um, I know like that, that Joshua do. Tree song. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's like uh, as a... Who is it? Who says that? Uh, I believe it's Chekhov says, time passes, right? You know, it's everything, we're all temporary, and uh, we just got to celebrate. Like, Louis, 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 right here, right now, this very moment. Look at this. Look where you are. Don't get any better than this, man. What else do we fucking want, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm talking to my friend on the phone. Looking in my camera, hearing his voice. I got the sun behind me. I'm looking at you. You got beautiful place. Um, don't get any better than this. Um, and now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I just, pay, you know, I went on the road to pay back my bills. I ended up landing in L.A. in like 98. And I thought, when I was doing that musical ragtime at Schubert, at the Schubert, it was before... Uh, I was with Brian Stokes Mitchell and LaChance and uh, Johnny Dossett. Uh, and I played the bad guy, of course, Willie Conklin. And uh, I got an out in my contract so I could try doing some, if I got them, uh, TV shows or movies or whatever. And I started getting work in the film and TV business. So I kind of said, well, maybe I'll stay here. So I did, and I ended up, you know, getting a TV and film career. How lucky is that, right? You beat me to my next question, and I love it. I love it. I feel like you know the direction that this is going. You just use the word, though, adventures, I think, and I think it's really interesting to use the word adventures with an actor because every role is different, and it's great. And this probably led you on to what people have been waiting to talk about, most likely, Prison Break. Oh, Prison Break. And here we are. And you broke onto the set of Prison Break as CEO Brad Bellick. That's right. Um, and, and you started all the way through to season four. But when you first got that, that gig uh, and you got that script through for Prison Break season one, what, what were you anticipating? Like, because really, back then, when Prison Break season one came out, it was probably one of the first massive, massive series um, to be released, don't you think? Well, actually... Oop, somebody's calling me. I don't know who it is. I think it's my, oh, it's my cousin. He, he, he keeps texting me about like 10 times, so you'll probably hear it. That's my cousin, Chris. He texts right. me like 1,800 different times, all about the same subject. You're going to hear that sound a few times because um, I can't turn it off. can't figure it out. Anyway, uh, prison break. Well, I didn't know. It was just a freaking audition, right? And as a matter of fact, I turned it down because it was such a horrible guy. At the time, yeah. Isabella was maybe, what's that, was in 2004. Five or two thousand, yeah, two thousand five. When I went, so she was three years old. So I turned it down. I said, I don't want to play this character. My daughter's gonna have to see me, you know, if it goes, because it was for the pilot. 
Um, sure. And you never know if it's going to get picked up. Uh, so I went to Chicago and did it, and uh, sure enough, it got picked up. Um, and I got into the show, and uh, we had no idea what it was going to be. First of all, it was a serial. So you had to watch, you know, one episode led to the next. Most TV shows are kind of self-contained. They have the same yeah, character, sure. but it's the same story, you know, whatever it is. If it's a cop show, you got the perp comes in and the victim. By the end, you know, whatever happens, happens. Or a hospital show. You get the doctor and you got the patient, you know. And then the show ends, and then the next one is completely separate, but same characters. This one, you know, it's cliffhanger after cliffhanger. So we were all kind of bummed out because we were like, well, this is never going to freaking get syndicated because they don't syndicate serial TV shows. So we had no idea. Oh, um, how wrong were you? We just had a good time. And the one thing I loved about it was um, all the actors on it uh, – were prepared and they did a really nice job, you know, getting their stuff together and uh, came with ideas and uh, just went for it. Had a good time. We were we, we had real simpatico. Hold on for a second. And that is it for part one here on Creatives in Conversation, episode four with Wade Williams. If you're enjoying the conversation, we carry on talking about Prison Break on part two. Go check it out on the streaming service that you're listening to right now. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.